Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. I wonder if you've ever fallen out with somebody. In the past, you know, I conducted once conducted a funeral service where people from a family gathered together and some of them hadn't spoken to each other for 15, I think actually nearly 20 years. I also know of two farmers growing up in an area of Northern Ireland, close to where I grew up, who had a falling out in their teenage years and were still not speaking to each other 45 years later. Today we're looking at a story which is about the same sort of thing, the story about these two brothers who've fallen out and as a result they haven't spoken for 20 years. Because today we're kicking off a new chapter, Genesis chapter 33, in our journey together through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I'd like to remind you that if you're new to this and you've just dropped into the first time, you can not only go back to the beginning and work through the entire Bible with us together if you want, but I'd just like to let you know that there are always transcript notes episode notes, sermon notes for every one of these talks that I do. You'll find them within the episode notes page of any audio version of the podcast, which is hosted on buzzsprout.com, the Buzzsprout website. There's a link through there. Uh, It doesn't matter where you're receiving this podcast from, which podcast provider, within the episode notes you'll not only find links to ways of connecting with the ministry but also a transcript of what I've said. And I'd just like to add that these resources are free for you to use in whatever way, way you want. I've put them in the public domain, they're theirs for you to use, adapt as a resource for your own edification, preaching or Bible study. There's no need to credit me, although a credit for the podcast is always appreciated. But anyway, with that in mind, we're going to now drop in and rejoin the main text as we launch off on this new study uh, covering over the next two podcasts, all of Genesis chapter 33. I'll see you back at the end. I'd like to launch off our journey together looking at Genesis chapter 33 over the next two days by asking a question and that question is have you ever fallen out with somebody? Have you ever had a falling out with somebody maybe in your family? Well (laughs) I suppose that's the case most of us at one point or another but have you ever had a falling out with someone in your family that lasted a really long time? Something really serious that went on for 5, 10 or 15 years? I've conducted funeral services in my role as a pastor where families have come together who've not spoken to each other through falling out for years and years and years. And I also knew of two farmers in an area near where I grew up in Northern Ireland who two brothers had a falling out over the farm in their mid to late teens and they still weren't speaking to each other 45 years later. So the question we're going to consider today and the story we're going to look at looks at people who've been through that sort of scenario but we're going to look at it particularly in the second of the two studies about what we can learn about reconciliation and how we might be able to identify ways in which we can help reconcile people who have fallen out with each other. 
And maybe for us, importantly, we can learn how we might approach a reconciliation if we've fallen out with somebody. You see, there are some really helpful hints to be found, particularly towards the end of this story in Genesis chapter 33. So with that, we'll turn and drop into the main text. Now, if you've been with me going through the book of Genesis, you already know where we're up to at this point. But if you're joining today just as a one-off because you're looking at this as a standalone message or you find it as a standalone message because you were researching Genesis chapter 33, I think it's helpful if I give you a little background. You see, there are two brothers in this story. As a matter of fact, they're actually twin brothers. The older was supposed to get the inheritance, but the younger one deceived the father and he did it in such a way that he got the birthright and the older one didn't. When the older one found out about this, he was furious. So his mother actually suggested at that time that it was time for him to get out of town to flee. Now, the younger brother in the story is, of course, called Jacob, and that's what he did. He was single, and he up and fled his homeland, and he actually, from there, went east and headed back to the land of his forefathers. Whilst there, he not only got married once, but several times. He has two wives at the same time, which permissible in that day, two sisters, Rachel and Leah, but he ends up also marrying the maids. At that time, the motivation was because of a perceived lack of offspring. So after 20 years, he has four wives, but then he decides it's time for him to return to his homeland. Now, it was the will of God for him to go back because the text reveals that God had not only promised the land to his grandfather Abraham and Isaac, but also to him. And the Lord appeared to him, telling him he needed to go home. But that was a huge problem because of what had happened with his brother. Now, his brother's name was Esau. And when, of course, he was cheated out of his birthright, he was definitely not a happy chappy. As a matter of fact, he had threatened to kill Jacob. So Jacob goes back, as the Bible puts it, in fear and trembling, knowing that it's very likely he'll have a meeting with his brother. And that's where we've reached at Genesis chapter 33. He's turning to the homeland and he actually hears that the brother is there coming out to meet him. So the question is, what is going to happen? Will these two brothers be able to reconcile with each other? And if they do, how can they get it done and what's going to make it happen? Well, I'm going to tell you the story and at the end, and probably in the next podcast, I'm going to spell out some of the things that we can learn from it and it might help us when facing situations where there's been what seems an almost irreconcilable breakdown. But let's begin with the actual story at this point where it begins in Genesis chapter 33 verse 1. And it tells us this, Now Jacob lifted up his eyes and there Esau was coming and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants. So let's pause for a second. We were told in the previous chapter that Jacob had sent out presents ahead of him to soften it up, so to speak. And the servants come back from delivering those presents and say, yes, he's coming back, but he's got 400 armed men with him. So a little later, Jacob looks up and he sees his brother and the 400 men approaching. Now, this doesn't look like a good start to the reconciliation. eh? What would you say? Back in verse 1, we are told, 
he divided the children among Leah and Rachel, his two maidservants, sorry, back in the previous chapter. Now, I mentioned that he had these two wives. They were Leah and Rachel, uh, the sisters, and he'd also married each of their maids. So he now has four wives. And what this verse is telling us is that he takes his four wives and he divides them. He's afraid that Esau was going to come with swords drawn and that he's going to kill not just a whole load of his family, but also perhaps his maidservants and his children. So what he does is he puts the maidservants and the children in front and Leah and Rachel behind. Now, to our ears, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? So what's going on here? So if he sees Esau coming to kill him, he's going to kill the maids first and then he'll get to Rachel and then finally he'll get to Joseph. Now that's a significant little observation because of what we know or you may know is going to happen later in this book when we see that the brothers begin to get jealous of Joseph because of perceived favoritism by his father Jacob. But that's getting ahead of the story. But you get a glimpse, even at this earliest state, of the fact that Joseph is definitely his favourite son and Rachel remains his favourite wife. So let's see what's going on next. Verse 3. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So verse 3 says he crossed over before them and bowed down to the ground seven times. So he's lined up his families out in front of him and he starts approaching his brother and Bible experts say what it means by seven times is he actually went forward, bows down, goes a little further and bows down again and goes a little further and bows down again and he repeats that process seven times. Now that is an act of great respect in that day. Today of course we might bow down once on a very special occasion or meeting someone exceptionally important like royalty but on this occasion he does this seven times so he's trying to make a point he's trying to say you're coming before me but he's being submissive because he doesn't want his brother to arrive with these 400 men with their swords drawn ready for attack so how is Esau going to respond to that Well, the next verse tells us, But Esau ran out to meet Jacob and embraced him, and he threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. So here's the guy, here's the brother who got cheated out of a whole lot of money, and he hasn't seen his brother for 20 years, and this is how he responds. The significant part of verse 4 is that he runs out to meet him, indicating that he's obviously clearly very eager to meet him. And then we see that when he arrives, he actually kisses him and that they weep together. So obviously Esau has forgiven Jacob. The text doesn't say that explicitly, but obviously by this greeting and what he does in the rest of the chapter, it illustrates that very clearly. But that's not all. There's more to the story. Let's pick it up in verse 5 where it says, Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? he asked. Jacob answered, These are the children God has graciously given your servant. So he hasn't seen his brother for 20 years, has he? And he wouldn't know all who all these wives and children are. He wouldn't know the names of the children. But he sees all these people and he says to his brother, Well, who are they? Now notice carefully what does Jacob call himself? 
he says, servant. And whose servant? Your servant. So Jacob here is very humbly saying to his brother, the Lord has graciously given me these wives and children to me. But in doing that, he calls himself his brother's servant. So mark that point, because we're going to come back to it later. The text continues in verse 6 to 9. Then the female servants and their children approached and bowed down. Next Leah and her children came and bowed down. And last of all Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau then asked, What is the meaning of these flocks and herds I met? To find favour in your eyes, my lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. So Jacob's families get introduced and they all show due respect and deference to Esau by bowing down. But Esau then has this other question, who are all these other people? Remember we were told at the beginning that he sent out a whole bunch of flocks and herds and servants in these tranches, droves are called, ahead of him. So what he's asking about here he's saying, well who were all these? And Jacob says, well, I sent these people forward in the hope that you would recognize that I was offering gifts and that I would find favors in your eyes. And I want you to notice that he's still calling Esau, my Lord. Now, way back in the story of these two brothers at the beginning, God had said, he'd predicted, in fact, that the older would serve the younger which was the opposite of what one would have expected in those days. And remember, Jacob had stolen the birthright, the inheritance from his father. Not just the future financial resources, but the position in the hierarchy was granted to him by taking the father's blessing. Now, he's supposed to be the one in the domineering relationship between these two brothers, but he's coming to Esau here and he's saying, and he's bowing down before him and he's calling him my lord. Interesting. Now his brother replies and says basically keep what you have for yourself as I have no need of it. No please said Jacob picking up in verse 10. I have found favour in your eyes accept this gift from me for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Now that you have received me favourably please accept the present that was brought to you. For God has been gracious to me, and I have all that I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. Then Esau said, Let us be on our way. I'll accompany you. So here we are, very simply. There's a meeting, and they finally reconcile, and they embrace each other. And he offers gifts to his brothers, which after a bit of a discussion, he eventually accepts. So far, so good, right? Yep. One thing before we go any further, he's several times within this text and conversation with his brother credits and acknowledges that God has done and brought the blessings in his life. God graciously gave him everything that he had. So it appears to me that we can definitely recognize that Jacob has learned something along the way of this 20 year experience. This was a manipulative, deceitful character, but at this point of his life, it seems he's definitely learned that the Lord is the one that has blessed him in his life and brought him favour, and he's indeed acknowledging that. Now, before I go on, I want to make a quick observation. That is, if there's going to be a reconciliation between any two people, someone always has to make the first move. And in this story, we see it was Jacob. 
So if there's going to be a reconciliation, someone's got to move and they need to also make the right move. And we're going to look at what a right move might be as detailed in the Bible in more detail in the second of these studies in this chapter. But in the meantime, let's just finish the story and say that they've been reconciled and that they're journeying off together. And the rest of the chapter will tell us how they agree to separate and go their different ways, live in different parts of the same land together. So verses 13 and 14 says, But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are tender and that I must care for the ewes and cows that are nursing their young. If they are driven hard, just one day all the animals may die. So let my Lord go on ahead of his servant while I move along slowly at the pace of the flocks and herds before me and at the pace of the children until I come to my Lord in Seir. Notice again, he's calling him his Lord and suggesting that he's his servant. So what he's saying is, look, we've been traveling a long way at great speed and it's taken a very heavy toll on my flocks and herds. We're not going to be able to continue traveling the journeying at the normal pace. So it's absolutely fine. Go ahead, my brother. We'll take care of the animals. But I'm afraid that if I push them too hard to try and keep up with your pace, they might die. Esau then said, Then let me leave some of my men with you. But why do that? Jacob asks. Just let me find favor in the eyes of my Lord. So that day Esau started on the way back to Seir. Jacob, however, went to Succoth, where he built a place for himself and made shelters for his livestock. That is why the place is called Succoth. After Jacob came from Padanaram, he arrived safely at the city of Shechem in Canaan and camped there within sight of the city. For a hundred pieces of silver he bought from the sons of Hamer, the father of Shechem, the plot of ground where he pitched his tent. Then he set up his altar and called it El Elhoe Israel. So in other words, Jacob is offered this protection, but he says he doesn't need it. You go ahead, he says, we'll meet some times later. And they agree that and he's on his way. So they're separating, they've reconciled and they're separating peacefully. Then the rest of the story is just about Jacob setting up home in the land of Israel. He's made himself a home. He's got back to his homeland at last after 20 years. And he's settling down and making a home. And it tells us that he calls the place El Elhoi Israel, which basically means Almighty God Israel. He's acknowledging by naming the place that way that God has been faithful to him. God has blessed him and it was God who brought him back to his homeland and gave him a safe dwelling there. That's it. That's the story. Two brothers who haven't seen each other for 20 years, they meet, they reconcile, and they finally set them down together, but in different parts of the same land. Remarkable. Remember, when they parted, one wanted to kill the other, but now they're able to live in peace. So this is a simple story, a straightforward story of Jacob and Esau and how they're reconciled and how they peacefully eventually come together and live in the same land. That sums up the actual narrative of the story. But at this point I'll pause because we're going to think and next think about next time about what we can learn about reconciliation from the story and how we might be able to apply it in situations of conflict that we see in ourselves or in the lives of others.
Okay, friends, that's it for this time. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a real pleasure today. I'd like to remind you that there's not only the access to the transcript, uh, there's also lots of links to other ways that you can access my resources and teaching, and you'll find all those notes in the episode notes of the podcast. There's also a place there where if you're interested in supporting my ministry and ensuring that the Bible Project Daily Podcast not only keeps going but remains on the internet as a podcast, as a free resource in the years to come. And you can do that by becoming one of my patrons and partnering with me and supporting my ministry. Patreon website will also give you links through to other resources that I make exclusively available like teachings and talks I do in secular environments as well as uh, some discipleship material the first of which will be a new course which I'll be putting on there in September about um, creating and preparing expository sermons so if you're interested or feel that God's called you to to approach his word and to preach it and to teach it and that you've been gifted you're gifted in that or people tell you you're gifted in that i just like to give you some resources that will help you understand how you might approach it from an expository point of view and also as always if you enjoy these these podcasts and if you feel that you're benefiting from them then why not think about uh, sharing or liking them on whatever social media you use that way many more people will see it subscribing also will ensure that you receive the teaching every day automatically and i'm told that it will also uh, enable more people to find to find the work but anyway that's us for today uh, I hope you've enjoyed our time together wherever you happen to be and that you're benefiting from having the rhythm of the Bible brought into your daily lives. I'd just like to close by saying thank you all so much for encouraging me just by making the decision to listen to this podcast every day. The thousands of you out there that have done it, it's very encouraging. And other than that, I'll just close by saying I do hope I'll see you back here tomorrow on another episode of the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.